Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. We may not see the little things that we do every day as that important. Scrolling on your phone, what you eat, and how you put the kids to bed all can seem very minor in the day-to-day. But these daily rituals and habits, all those small, the truth is anything that you find yourself doing every day is already a significant portion of your life. Recognizing this truth is the first step. Figuring out how to work it out for our good, now that's something that can cause dramatic change. Hey, we're Erin and Jennifer Smith, your hosts of the Marriage After God podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by our books. We have written so many books as a tool to bless you and your life. And we wanted to share those with you. So to check them out, all you have to do is visit shop.marriageaftergod.com. Okay, so we haven't done a a book review episode in quite a while, I don't think. Have we ever? Like an actual I feel like we've done some in the past. I'd have to go back to verify. I know we've we've like shared quotes and things from books. Maybe this could be the first one. Well, I well, there was a there was a probably a week, less than a week, maybe just a couple of days where I saw a friend post it on Instagram and then another friend was talking about it in a group chat mm-hmm. and then finally one of my friends texted me a picture of the book and said, you have to read this. I think this is just like <laughs> social media engineering. Yeah. <laughs> like the algorithms just putting it all in front of you. Well, it was put in front of me. And so I went on Amazon and I ordered it right away and got it shortly thereafter. Jumped into it and really loved it. It's called Habits of the Household by Justin Early. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. It was a very easy read. And it's one of those books that, um, so one of the friends that had been talking about it, she explained that while she was reading it, she was affirmed that some of the things she was already doing and implementing, and that made her feel good. Mm -hmm. And then there was other things that were challenging her to like step up in areas and, and really figure them out as far as routines and, and habits that she was doing herself or in her parenting. And that's exactly how I felt reading this book. There was a lot of good insight and things that well, I drew from and then other areas where I was like, oh, cool, we're doing that. And I pointed some of them out too. But uh, yeah. after I d- was done reading the book, I remember telling you like, we should just share on this. Yeah, a little, little uh, disclaimer. I haven't read it yet, but I'm planning on getting the audiobook. I like to do a lot of audiobooks because when I'm driving, I can listen to them and enjoy it. But you've told me a lot about it mm-hmm. and um, shared with me concepts. And this is something that's been really cool for us is over the years, I'll be reading a book that you're not reading, Mm -hmm. but then I share you, I share with you like the cliff notes and then like things that we try and implement and I'll bring up like when I was going through like power of the habit or 12 rules for life um, by Jordan Peterson, like I would, I would share things. I'm like, Hey, this is really good. 
And often it would start really good discussions. So even though you weren't reading the book, we still gleaned from each other. We would be gleaning from each other and talking about it. And often it would go back to like, well, what does the Bible say about that concept? Mm-hmm. Or, um, yeah. So we, even though I haven't read it yet, you've shared a lot with me mm-hmm. and I'm excited to ask you questions about it as we go. Um, and I think our listeners are going to love to hear your experience with it. And and this is kind of like one of those situations where it's like a discussion between us that they get to hear. Mm-hmm. Cause it's going it, to, cause there's stuff that we're constantly looking at in our own life. Mm-hmm trying to figure out, is there things that need to be cleaned up? Are there things that need to be thrown out? Yeah. Are there things that we need to be amplifying? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm imagining this book, book's about, right? Yeah. So what I loved about this book, I already said it was an easy read, but talk in, in knowing that the title is ha- about habits, I thought it was going to be very heavily like practical, do this, do that, for, formulate. But it actually had a lot of um, spiritual themes and encouragement and story, it was story driven, which I love. Mm-hmm. And it was just inspiring in it, in putting things in a perspective that makes you really think about the purpose behind it all. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. And yet it also was practical. There's so, it's so rich. Every chapter had, um, little things at the end, uh, questions and, uh, lists of resources and things that parents and husbands and wives can use to better themselves and better their, um, their way of forming family rhythms, Hmm. which I really appreciated how much that they actually put in this. So yeah, all good things. I like that. So, so so I thought we would just kind of go through it, uh, kind of like skim through it and I would pull out quotes and things that stood out to me and then we could talk about it. Is that Uh, cool? I like it. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, it starts out with, uh, Justin explaining kind of just the premise of the book and and where it came from and how um, they have littles, little kids. And it started around bedtime when, you know, there was some chaos going on and he was realizing that there was this pattern happening with the way he was getting frustrated over, you know, just bedtime routines and just, you know how little kids are. So we're not the only ones who have a hard time. And that's another, that's another thing about this book, the way he wrote it. It's like, he makes you feel understood. (laughs) That you're not the only one with certain patterns in your home that are like, oh, this isn't working. I know that sounds negative, but it actually is reassuring when you. I feel like that often. I'm like, why? Why can't our be uh, like we bedtime starts at seven o'clock or seven thirty? Yeah. And sometimes they're not they're not done at being in bed until like eight thirty, and I'm like, sometimes why is this later, or later? And uh, is ever, this right? Are we doing this right? But like with anything in life, like have you ever been in a conversation with a friend and they tell you something that's really been a challenge for them and you have your first thought is I'm okay. kind of glad because yeah. I needed to hear this that I'm not the only one going through this. <laughs> yes, yeah, sadly, yes. Yeah. So you're like you're like, oh good. Like, you you I... struggle with that too. That's yeah. great. It's like I don't want to be affirming to this right now, but it is if it is yeah. good. Anyways. I think the good one of the good parts about it is you get to laugh about it at that yeah. point because it doesn't feel like laughing when yeah. you're tired and want the people to fall like, asleep. Oh. So he's just explaining how um, he wanted to bring some intentionality to bed to the bedtime routine. And he has this um, on page six. It's called A Bedtime Blessing of Gospel Love. And it just is a prompt. And it says what the parent's supposed to say and what the child should say. And it's really cute and easy to roll through. Um, and then about that, he says, it was the point where something we've done became something we do. A habit of the household was born. Mm. And I like that because it shows that he was intentional about making something happen, yeah. a, a habit in his home that he he desired to see change in, something positive. 
there's a I've brought this quote up before, especially especially talking about me getting into like health stuff, working out. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it. It was a meme. It was like this graphic on social media. It said, "If you want something you've never had, you got to do something you've never done." Yep. And that reminds me of that. Is I think the encouragement here in what you were just saying is often we're waiting for something to happen. Like, oh, I, there's this change I desire, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Rather than, oh, I have to do something different and make that change happen. Kind of like that, you know, cheesy, be the change you want to see in the world, right? Um, that's what it sounds like to me is is you you got to step in and, and break the that trajectory with something else. Yeah, totally. And um, so moving on just a little bit, I, I'm going to be reading some snippets out of here, but like on it. page 10, it says, um, the neurological downside of habits is as powerful of the, as the upside. The same feature that allows us to perform a good habit without thinking about it makes it hard to change a bad habit even when we are thinking about it. That's how strong our brains are. <laughs> um, and, and so he continues, it says, pick Picture a wagon wheel in a rut. It takes no effort at all to stay in the rut, but it takes incredible effort to pull the wheel out of it. Yes. Good or bad, <laughs> a rut is a rut, and our brains love ruts. Your basal ganglia are so good at staying in the rut that you cannot just tell them to get out. Your lower brain has spent its whole life ignoring that higher order thinking. It's supposed to, after all, its job is to keep you in the rut regardless. In other words, you can't think yourself out of a pattern you didn't think yourself into. You practiced yourself into it, so you have to practice your way out of it. <laughs> oh, man. So that's pretty convicting. Yeah. <laughs> like we're waiting for something to happen, but we're just going to stay in that rut. Yeah. Until we actually f- like force our way out of it. You have to put the work in, yeah. which is something that I've been working on when it comes to my eating and my health and working out. And guitar. Oh, And guitar. You, yeah. You lit- you, yeah, you can't just have a habit that you're good at you have to put the time in you have to sacrifice other things to make it happen you have to make that change and it can be really hard especially when your brain in that autopilot mode tends to go back to those Mm -hmm. old ways or you know things that make it ways that make it harder for you Mm -hmm. so you have to be able to break out of it speaking of that habits are being hard they're hard to break and hard to form. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of the benefits of those books that we read in the past, like power of habit. Um, it talks about setting up systems and things to make those habit forming processes easier. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like bedtime routines, Mm -hmm. you've been going in there and playing guitar for them every night. Not every night, but I do often, but it's nice because I get the practice in. You do. You're doing a, (laughs) one of those, those models called coupling where you wanted to have a better routine at night mm-hmm. with the kids. More calm. Yeah. More calm. And you wanted to practice guitar. Yeah. And so you're like, well, I'm going to go in there with the guitar. <laughs> and then you're in there for a long time and the kids <laughs> love it. That's really cool. I love when I'm in the zone and I'm like working on a song and I, I kind of forgot that I'm putting them to bed and I look up and Edie's passed out. They're all asleep. Like, oh, yeah, really you, you end up being in there a lot longer, by the way, <laughs> which I'm not opposed to. I think they love it. Um, and then I sneak down the hallway and record you. I know. I didn't play. like that. <laughs> I didn't know you did that. Okay. Um, uh, so a little bit down the page, he says, the heart always follows habit. And there's this encouragement woven throughout the whole book about how, um, how when a good habit is formed, your heart follows it and God uses it because you're, you're, Mm -hmm. once you have a good habit established, he can use it for good. And I really like that. Does that mean 
our heart, like when we have bad habits, our heart follows. Is that kind of, I mean, I, well, I, it makes sense to me because let's say we have a, a bad habit of, of eating. Often our heart's following this, like the way we feel about ourselves, the way we see ourselves, the way we feel about our self-control, a lot of those things. So I think that makes sense because it, what you do is what you are in, right. in, in, a, in a way. So if you're repetitive, repeatedly doing these things, even if you don't like the way it makes you feel, that habit's already there. And you're going to have kind of the re- recourse of those or the repercussions of that, that habit, the guilt, the shame, the, all the things that kind of flow into the heart and out of the heart. I think that's really good. I wasn't really thinking in that direction when I read that about the heart. Well, maybe that was my cynic coming out. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's good to think about. It's really good to chew on. Um, But I think more in this sense, it was this idea that our hearts aren't always in the right place to like do the same thing over and over and over again, getting out of that rut and getting into a new one that's positive. But when we establish and practice those habits that we actually do want, our heart will follow and a pattern will be made and it will become easier as time goes so on. So like maybe we weren't super excited about it in the beginning or yeah. was, that's, this is too hard, not worth mm-hmm. it. And then eventually it's like, wow, I love this. And then it becomes something you love. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. Well, no, but I think both are important. I <laughs> yeah. think what you said was really good because I've experienced that where I am in a rut and I am making bad choices and it's habitual and I feel that guilt or I feel that shame. Mm. My heart does follow in how I perceive my own self and in that negative way. So it's more like, don't follow your heart. Follow the habit. Follow the pattern, create the the habit. That you want. That you want and your heart will follow those actions. Yes. Because the heart's going to lead us the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The heart's going to lead us back to the rut. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so uh, moving right along here. So uh, there's this... uh, portion called waking up to reality that I really enjoyed reading. And he starts out, um, t- cause he, he, he draws a lot from his parenting being a parent. And so I hope you listeners, if, if you are parents, well, you gain like a lot from this book. Household rhythms really matters <laughs> for having kids, especially when you're in those early yeah. stages. Um, but so that, so this starts on page 33 and he says, after all, we become our habits and our kids become us. And that I underlined it because... Say that again? Uh, after all, we become our habits and our kids become us. So you kind of see oh. that that legacy living in that we're providing the example. So all the habits that we're doing on a daily basis become who we are. And, and then, then we're, exempl- we're exemplifying that in our children and then they become like us. So I have a lot of bad habits that I don't want my kids to have. Right. And we need to be careful. (laughs) That's why this book was really important to me. Um, So then he moves on to talking about... Why didn't you tell me this earlier? No, this is good. There's still time. (laughs) Is there? (laughs) Is there any growing up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait till I get to the end. Oh, geez. Oh, you're 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 going to cry. Cut the dagger deep, (laughs) twist it. You guys stay tuned. Crank it around a little Um, bit in the heart. Okay, so he talks about the habits of waking. And this is where... Some of that practical is drawn in, but he gives three things that you can do um, in the in forming habits of waking up in the morning to just add to your family rhythm. Hmm. The first one is prayer at your bedside and just making sure that you're spending those first waking moments with the Lord, getting your heart 
you know, set in the right place, um, your mood, like submitting it all, your, your plans for the day, your goals, asking him to lead you. Mm. This is something I definitely need to work on because often I get up and I just go straight to like dealing with the kids, going to the couch, going to the kitchen. Like I don't rushing to the, yeah, whatever the next thing is. Yeah. So, um, he's encouraging a habit of waking is, uh, waking up to, to pray. The second one is looking at scripture before looking at your phone. <laughs> Stop it. I know. Cause when you put it on your bedside, it's so quick to just grab it. Especially if you're, if you wake up to it from a text or an alarm or whatever. Well, it's a habit that I do every day. Yeah. And so it's like, first thing I do is grab my phone. There was a time <laughs> that you kept leaving your phone out in the kitchen. Yeah. It was, was when it I was kitchen? reading power of habit and oh. I was realizing <laughs> I have a bad habit. And one of the things was get my phone away from my bed. So I started charging it in like another room. Yeah. I need to go back to that. I have my clock set up next to my bed and it's not even turned on. I should just do that. You should do that. But these are really Jeez. good because even though they're, they're practical things that he's reminding you to do, they're spiritual things. And to be yeah. spiritual is important when it comes to habits and building up that relationship with God. Um, and so the third one is, and I really like this, it's a little bit into the morning now, but before everybody gets sent off, so to speak, like, you know, whoever goes to work, whoever goes to school, whoever's doing whatever. And they do like a family uh, prayer hub. So everyone gets together, they circle up, hold hands, and they pray. And he's honest, which I love. And he talks about how the two-year-old's squirrely and like doesn't always pay attention. And sometimes the prayers are short because Mm. they can't go very long. But they're building a family habit of coming together. And he says prayer was their transition from one thing to the next, which I love because then um, on page 46, it says we are sent into the day on purpose. That's like good. there's purpose before them and their Instead children of kind of just drifting into the next thing like I do. Well, and rushing, <laughs> um, he says now the routine has taken the moment of rush and hurry and displaced it with a moment of prayer. I, mm. I love that. And we, we used to be a lot more consistent with this and we've just recently been getting right back, getting back into this routine of family Bible time Yep. of not just prayer, but intentional gathering to open up the word, to talk about the Bible, to discuss it, to pray, to ask questions. And and then now you're playing music (laughs) in that time too. So we've added a little chunk to that. I told the kids, I said, mommy's mommy needs more time to, to practice in front of people because I get really nervous. And so, yeah, yeah, that's when I started playing in front of you. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. But so we, we at times have been better with this and at times of, been worse, but it is, this is something that we have been trying to, mm-hmm. like I noticed that you, you, you jumped in to do Bible time with the kids this morning, even though I had to yeah. rush out the door. Yeah. And so I really appreciated that. And that's actually really important when you're in marriage. Um, when you're, you, sometimes you have to tag team to maintain the habit, yeah. whatever family habit you have going on or a rhythm in your home when one can't be there or one's traveling or one has to get somewhere that you can still step into that role and, and provide and be the one who leads out in that. When you hear tag team, do you think of WWE yeah, back always. when you were a teenager? Immediately came to my mind. I was, I was imagining them jumping over the ropes and running in and doing one of those little um, art. What do they call those? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I shared this on here already, but you guys know that Aaron and I have entered the world of jujitsu. And um, in some of the first couple of weeks, I remember one of my coaches asking, do you have any like history of wrestling? And I was like, I just grew up on WWE. <laughs> he laughed because <laughs> you don't have any history of like actual wrestling. No, just the entertainment just side. Just watching it. 
fake wrestling. Okay, on that TV. has nothing to do. We got to move on. Sorry, I heard tag team. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. But in in marriage and parenting, especially, you do have to do that. Mm-hmm. You have to get in the ring and be willing to. With our kids, get in the ring with our kids. That's, <laughs> the, that's what it feels like sometimes, especially at bedtime. Um, okay, so oh. something that I really loved about this book too is at the end of every chapter, there's a little orange box and it says, we always need the reminder of grace. And there's something that's repeated after every chapter. And it's funny because I didn't realize that it was repeating until like the second or third chapter. And then I had to go do a double take and, and look and, oh, does it, is he saying something else or the same thing? And it's just the same thing. But that repetition... It's like the theme for that section or chapter. No, at the end of every chapter, it says this. I'm going to read it. God's love inspires our action, but our action does not inspire God's love. Our family habits will not change God's love for us, but God's love for us should change our family habits. He's building a habit of you reading that over and over again. Yes. That's really good. And I like that kind of stuff. I will say this. You you can't see the book, everyone that's listening, um, but it's actually really well designed on the inside. Um, which I, I really appreciate as a designer. Uh, so, and I, so I look at it and I'm like, Oh, there's this, this is a great these parts book. in the back that are highlighted in orange that are kind of like the practical or the highlights from what he was teaching you and what him and his wife, um, have gathered over the years of uh, like, like in one of, uh, I think it's called screen time. They list, um, different, uh, movies and books and okay. things like that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like resources. And resources. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, they also give you prayers and just all kinds of things, tips to start some of the actual habits that they mention. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, I like it. It looks The design looks really nice. So here's another quote, um, and it kind of has to do with how you introed the podcast today, uh, the episode today. It's on page 60. It says, because the normal is what shapes us the most, though we notice it the least. It is precisely the unremarkable nature of the normal that gives it such remarkable power. All of our unspoken values get hidden under the invisibly invisibility cloak of the ordinary. We think of our day-to-day routines as neutral simply because we see them so often. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think that's really important for us to stop and go, oh, we should probably evaluate our day-to-day and how we do things because especially if there's like you know, clunky moments, chaos moments, mm-hmm. uh, things that you you get frustrated about. But have you have you realized or recognized that those things are happening every single day? Have we recognized yeah, that we're patterns. probably the pattern? We're the ones that are triggering it or making it worse. Yeah, either or our consist- inconsistency or our our pattern that yeah. we've implemented causes I th- the chaos. I think <laughs> it can be really easy to go day to day. And feel like things are just normal or how they are or how they're supposed to be. And so we kind of just move past them. And resources like this, a book like this, will make you stop and go, oh, I never thought I could change that. Or I didn't think I needed to change that. And so... Or I didn't even notice that was a thing. thing. Yeah. (laughs) So I really like that he draws out that um, it's what is normal that shapes us the most. Right. It's not the, the one-off extraordinary things that we try. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I went and played soccer one time. Yeah. Like, I'm a soccer player now. No. Do you practice every <laughs> week yeah. to week to week to week for years? But <laughs> um, kind of like I was mentioning in the intro of this thing, like, I'm on my phone multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. That's significant. Right. You know, if 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 you're if you're a family that watches lots of TV shows, mm-hmm. which we used to be, we used to watch I was just telling someone the other day... Um, I, someone asked about a TV show and I was like, you know what? We have not been watching anything. Well, 
on that note, to be honest, like I've tried, I just can't, there's nothing I can get into because mm. like something comes up in it. They, anyways, I just, we used to do it a lot mm-hmm. and like since we've stopped that, but there's other things that we do. I just feel too tired or I have all other the time. things that I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> um, I, I think the phone one's a big, big conviction for me. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's absolutely a big conviction for me. It's something that I desire to change mm-hmm. about not just my pattern with myself, but in front of my kids. So it's good. Well, speaking of screen time, they actually have a whole chapter dedicated to screen time, screen time. We could skip that one. Just go to the, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think it's really necessary to have, have this kind of chapter in today's world in oh, the yeah. era that we're living in technology. I just feel like it's, it's important. Yeah. And it's good for us, especially as parents, because we're, we're responsible to teach our kids how to choose well. And we get years with them to develop that um, habit of choosing, yeah, which he talks about how, too. How to have a, a healthy relationship with technology. And entertainment yep. and screen time and devices, all of it. So, so I probably should have that healthy relationship myself. Of course. Because <laughs> what it was that our habits, bec- we become our habits and our kids become us. Yeah. And um, <sighs> I want to read on page 95. Uh, let me go there. Uh, he's talking about, so he brings up Romans 12 about not being conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And he says, this is an important lesson about what a human heart is. It is never not being shaped by something. There is no neutral. There is no neutral. The human heart is not a car. There is no neutral. Oh, see, (laughs) so we must, I should write books. (laughs) No, he did it. He did a great job. So we must always pay attention to what is grabbing the attention of our minds and imaginations because where the imagination goes, so goes the heart. And that's important. Just thinking about your kids thinking we must pay attention as parents to what is grabbing the attention of our kids' minds and imaginations because where the imagination goes, so goes the heart. Hmm. And then a little bit uh, down, it says, this is a fight over who forms who. So if you're mm-hmm. letting Just, your kids veg out to Yeah, here's shows, three hours of whatever show. They're, it's forming and shaping your kids' minds. Can I, can I say what Edie said once about Blippi? Oh, oh yeah, that was really cute. <laughs> oh, we, don't, we don't watch it that much, but she loves it. And she loves the, actually, she, she loves one specific episode. The ice cream episode. The ice cream trick episode. Actually she says, ice cream Blippi. Um <laughs> But one time you said, you said, Edie, uh, who lives in your heart? Is that how you said it? Yeah. I was asking the kids individually, like different questions about what we were learning about for school and Edie wants to participate, but I had to think of a question she would be able to answer. So I said, Edie, who lives in your heart? And And I was thinking of the Sunday school answer. I thought she was going to say Jesus. She goes, Blippi. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, we should probably not watch that show anymore. (laughs) So hard. It's so funny. We, it's, that's going to be a joke for a long time, I think. Uh, But yeah, what are they, what are they watching and what's influencing them? That's, that's really important reminder. For this, for them and for us, for sure. Did you say that they talked about how they do family movie time? Um, I haven't explained it yet, but, oh, you're um, getting there. Sorry. well, no, it's fine. Um, I actually didn't put a note on here, but I had, it's something I shared with you when I was reading. Well, and I liked it, it because we, we do, as a family, we genuinely like movies and, and media. Yeah. But we're also like, well, how do we do this without <laughs> allowing it to just have unlimited influence over our kids? How do we have self-control over screen time? So we do things like, 
like video games and iPad are weekends. And we just for a do limited, limited time. yeah, limited time. It's not every day. They don't get full access. They don't get whatever they want. Um, but they brought up that they, they do like Friday movie nights mm-hmm. and they'll sit and watch the movie with their kids, of course, but then they'll pause as they go and they'll discuss the themes that are coming up. And, the th- and oh, that person said this, you know, you know, what, how does that make you feel? Or, yeah. or that wasn't very nice, was it? Which is something I kind of do. Like if I, some of these cartoons, they just, sometimes they're really mean to each other. And I'm like, hey, that wasn't really nice of them, was it? And I, and I hear them all be like, no, that was rude. Or that's not how we treat each other. Yeah, or that's, yeah, yeah. we don't treat people that way. Use we, it as we. teaching opportunities. And that's kind of what he explains in the book is they have like Friday night, family night. And um, I think Sunday they do something with all the cousins, but uh, they use it as a time where if they do watch family movie, they'll discuss it along the way. So that they're influencing along with what's going on. Yeah. Instead of just and kind of teaching them alone. how to respond to these things that come up, you know, which is good because it's, it's kind of what we do. We have, we have it, we've grown into a moral compass. We've grown into maturity, into understanding mm-hmm. certain themes and concepts. And so we may be able to be able to watch something that our children can't necessarily navigate mm-hmm. because we've navigated those things. Yeah. And we can be like, we could parse things and be like, well, no, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw that out. And no, I don't behave that way. But our kids, we can, they could be used as an opportunity to help shape that way of viewing these things. Uh, I found this one section pretty interesting and it's, it's a good chunk. So I'm just going to read it, but just kind of think about what he's saying and how it can impact our relationship with our kids and their futures. Um, This starts on page 95. Consider the stakes for a moment. If we do not teach our kids about sex, screens will be happy to do it for us. If we do not teach them categories of good and evil, then screens will be happy to obscure all of them. If if we do not teach them that God made them who they are on purpose, man or woman, and black or white, then screens will be happy to confuse their understanding of all of these things. If we do not teach them that buying things will not make them happy and that consumption always leaves you hungrier, then screens will teach them that being a consumer is a way to status and satisfaction. If we do not teach them that the world of nature is ferocious and fantastic, something to be steward and stunned by, then the world of screens will teach them that looking at pictures of nature is enough. If we do not teach them that silence is a sacred place where God speaks to us, then screens will make sure that they never, ever discover it. If we do not teach them that vulnerable and that vulnerable and embodied friendship is the heart of the good life, then screens will relentlessly nudge them toward connecting and liking, that's in quotations, their way to endemic loneliness. Mm. Screens are evil. <laughs> they well he goes on to say they could be like an addictive drug which we've all heard and it's like yeah it's very addicting these things are true if we're not the ones as parents to be teaching our kids these things they're gonna they're gonna discover it in ways that devices and screens offer well and if we eventually and if we maybe not at first constantly let the screens nanny our children when we need the time or which we've been guilty of uh, then we're just kind of free flowing there that influence and, and to if, our children. And if we think that even with all of our boundaries and all of the tight ways we try and control their screen time, they're still going to be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. We have so many devices in our home, in our pockets, out at a restaurant. They're they're going to be they're working on computers yeah. like it's a part of their well, digital there's a, there's age. A healthy use for the for these yeah. things. 
So they're going to be exposed to it, I guess is the point. But being vigilant to be a louder voice Mm -hmm. in our kids' lives. And something else that I really like about a book like this, you guys, is that maybe when you're parenting and your kids are little, you're not thinking about all the different things. Maybe you're not thinking about the screen time. And so you read this chapter and you're like, oh man, yeah. We need, we, you and I need to be talking about this and what we desire for our children and how, what, you know, what boundaries are we going to put in place or how are we going to talk to them about these things? And so just as a marriage book, this is a good marriage book for you to go, oh, this is something we need to talk about. Uh, yeah. It sounds really powerful. So, okay. Moving on. Um, chapter five is all about family devotions, which I felt really affirmed by when I was reading it. I was like, I feel like we do a really good job of, um, having a family rhythm of, of family Bible time with our kids and spending time discussing the word and just leading them in that. Mm-hmm. So I was really affirmed by that, but still a really great chapter on the very first um, page of this chapter. It says, um, when it comes to family spiritual formation, it's not about perfect practice. It's about moving from nothing to something. Yeah. It's about just doing it. This is a, a perfect, that, that line is perfect. Cause I was literally just thinking, if I can feel overwhelmed by thinking about all these things, like, man, how do I change so much in my life? How do we like, what is even the the right amount? What is yeah. the right thing? What is like, is what we're doing complete failure or is it like, okay. And like, we could just incrementally be better. I think we'll always feel like we're failing. <laughs> I know, but I'm just thinking about maybe there's, there's someone listening around there. It's like, well, I don't feel like I have any of that. Or maybe I don't know how to offer them that. But that's yeah. And, and, my, I, I want to know, like what, what you just read was what I was thinking is, is there's so many, like this book, it's full of amazing insights, but for someone who feels like they're so far from it, yeah, it can feel like, well, there's just another weight put on my shoulders. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to fail at, and I don't know how to get to that place. I think what she, that line just said that the encouragement is, is, um, as someone once told me, just, just do the next right thing. Yeah. It's not about like, oh, tomorrow you mm. need to look like what he's talking about. Right. Because, man, we've been married for 16 years now. <laughs> what we are we're today, still figuring it out. What we are today is vastly different than what we, what we were 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to be in another 16 years is just be vastly two. different from today. <laughs> we're just two years from now. And so I just, my encouragement to the listeners is not to be overwhelmed by all that you think you should be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And just ask God to help you do something today, mm-hmm. like whatever it is, whatever it, it, God's probably already put it on your heart. Like, man, I do want to have a better bedtime routine, man. I, that one thing where he sits down with the children mm-hmm. and speaks to them, mm-hmm. like maybe, maybe that's something you've been desiring and you've tried it a couple of times and, and you, you want to have that deeper connection with your kids before bed, just do it again. Mm-hmm. And don't have an expectation of what it might look like. Just the fact that you're doing it. You're already miles away from where you were the day before. Exactly. Um, So he goes on to say, if our goal was to do something perfect, we'd still be doing nothing. That's true. (laughs) How long has that hindered you from doing stuff? It's a hurdle for sure. Because there's this mentality of like, well, if I'm not going to do it perfect, like I can't do it at all. Yeah. Rather than if I start practicing now, over the years, I'm going to be much, much better at it than I am right now. Right. Yeah. That was, that was hugely encouraging to read. I like that. Okay, so there's also an entire chapter on marriage, which I think is really important. 
<laughs> we all need to be reminded about our marriage and how vital how vital it is to the running of a home. Yeah. You know, like the marriage is the foundation. S- essentially the central focus, not right. focus, central guide. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> quote him. I'll quote Justin because he says it good. In the story of God, the strength of the household depends on the strength of the marriage. It may be the most practical and the most profound thing we do. So we pause here in the middle of this book to talk about the habit that holds all the other habits together, the habit of covenant love. And then he goes in to talk about just the biblical importance of covenant love. And I just I just want to read this one section because it was really good. Okay. The story of the world begins and ends in a wedding. At the beginning, there are wor- words and light, song and rest, fruit and animals, yes. But center stage in all of that is the union of the first bride and groom. Almost as if everything else was the processional, the characters funneling in, taking their seats and waiting for the big moment. The stage of creation is set for a ceremony. Man meets woman. There is suspense. Man comes out on stage and God says, you are alone. This is not good. Then there is the great reveal. Here is the bride. And in the moment and in the moment that man and woman behold each other, creation sings and so does Adam. There is poetry and wonder, bone and flesh, and the promise of new life. Marriage is the beginning of this whole story. But marriage is the end of the story too. At the end of time, there are fire and clouds, suns and moons, trees and new cities. But again, it is all mostly the clatter and bang for another ceremony bigger this time. This is no intimate garden party. This is a cosmic celebration because the war is over and peace has been won. The kingdom gathers and it's time for the king and queen to get married. This is the marriage of God to his people, the church and the church's lover, always smitten and now finally united. So it is the so it is that the arc of scripture bends from wedding to wedding and God's covenant love connects them. That was really pretty actually. I thought that was so cool when I was reading that. I was like, ah, it's happening. <laughs> That's why we do marriage after God oh. because of this. But <laughs> he just it. said, we, we see the symbol of marriage as, as something not, not to be worshiped, but pointing us to the one we worship. Amen. He says, marriage then is not a great theme of scripture. It is the great theme of scripture. <laughs> covenant, covenant love is the gravity that gives shape to the whole of the narrative. Mm. I just thought that was really beautiful. What we're doing is really important. (laughs) Being a husband and wife and and having this relationship is really important. So do you think our listeners should grab a copy of this book? I think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think if anything, it'll affirm you that life is hard and sometimes our habits really suck. But if we're paying attention and we're willing to do the hard work, God would use it for good. And we can have better habits. And make better habits. Yeah. Incremental growth. Adding one thing on, a, on another. Mm-hmm. Amen. What I got out of this is I need to change my habit with my phone. <laughs> and I'm going to commit to that. <laughs> I'm actually going to, uh, you reminded me, I'm going to take my phone and I'm going to charge it outside the room. Awesome. I'm going to do that again. Okay, before we wrap things up though, um, I told you about the end. So after everything, he goes into talking about... Um, no, you got to keep it a secret. What? There's something to look forward to. <laughs> there's lots of there's lots in here we didn't cover that you guys would really enjoy. So at the very very end of the book, he talks about this family age chart, which he was sitting there thinking about. Okay, if I'm when I'm this old and my kids are that old, where are we going to be? And then he started making notes like, okay, so here's like where they can really play 
cool games or here's a decade of uh, important conversations or here we're going to be empty nesters. And as I'm reading this, I'm laughing because I'm like, I feel like our kids have been doing this for the last 10 years, but every so often they'll ask us, how old is Elliot going to be when I'm yeah, seven? All the time. How old are you going to be when I'm... Well, now that Elliot and Oliver are getting good at math, they've gotten really yeah. good at figuring it out. Yeah. Well, when you're 16, I'm going to be... Yeah. And they do this and then we start talking about what everyone's going to be doing at those ages. So I was just laughing because I'm like, we kind of do this as a family already. But I did... He So he shows the, his family chart and like his little scribbles that he wrote down and he, he encourages that you also do a family chart because it gives you a you idea. One? Well, I just briefly wrote down some of our ages, but it gives you an idea of like, how much time do you have as a family? Because eventually the kids grow up, they move out, they they have their Time's a lot shorter than we think. Yes, that's the whole point. That's the point. And so just in a matter of 10 years, Aaron, you'll be 49, mm-hmm. I'll be 47. And check this out, we'll have a 20-year-old an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 13-year-old. So some well, that's adults. Some already out of the house. Elliot could be married if he wanted to get married young. Um In 10 I think that's wild. 20's not that young. Weren't you how old? you were 21 barely? I'm just saying. <laughs> it's just weird to think about. Um ten so years, that's that's only 10 years. <laughs> Holy moly. So he gives a little family age chart where you can fill this out. And on the right-hand side, it says seasons. Like what, what kind of season will you be in? So in 15 years, we'll be empty nesters. I mean, Edie will be 18, but if she wanted to move out that young. In only 15 years? 15 years, honey. Okay. So that's crazy. at the end of all of that, he says uh, future realities. And he gives three little boxes with three arrows to habits for today. So kind of saying, if these are your goals... What could you be doing today to work towards those? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I put the three things that I found most important to our family. I put salvation, purpose, and active, like being active, being healthy, being able to move and have- Active in the church. In all different- Yeah, always. Not lazy. In every way. (laughs) So in order for that to happen, we need daily habits of family devotional times and discussions- Right, mm-hmm. leading them through Scripture and who God is. Yeah, allowing the Word of God to experience their God. hearts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and letting them see God work in us. And you know, mm-hmm. we have highs and lows, and kind of drawing them into those places where we pray and where we repent. read Scripture and repent, mm-hmm. all yeah. of it. Um, so, for purpose, a habit for today, I put working on work ethic, but also creativity, allowing them the experience of participation. And understanding what purpose means. Example, just FYI for everyone listening, Jennifer did this thing with all of the other day. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago now, where I think was it her idea to come up with a menu? Oh, for the day. Uh, or was it your well, idea? And she where it ran with it. I have these extra things I like to do in homeschool, and one of them was getting the kids in the kitchen and having them feel not just that they're helping for one meal or this day or that day, but to actually do a whole menu, go to the store. Shop for it. Yeah. So put their all, mind to so it. So Olive came up with breakfast, lunch, dinner, yep. and then you guys went Snack. grocery shopping, got uh-huh. all the stuff for it, and then she she was responsible that whole day to just prepared it all. Prepared it all. Yeah. You helped, of course, yeah. but that that's that. The, given those opportunities for creativity of like, yep. what would you do? Mm-hmm. How would you come up with a meal plan? And and then everyone was like, loved it because it was really good. It was so good. It was so funny because um, we'd never done anything like this before, and so I had her and Elliot both fill out like a menu. And Elliot hasn't done his yet, but after Olive 
finish her day out, something clicked in him and he realized he could have the freedom to do anything. And so then he starts asking me, mom, can I change my menu? Can I add this? Can I add that? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, wait a minute. (laughs) But he already chose ribeye for dinner, which I said you were going to help him with because he really likes your ribeye. I know. I haven't made it in a a long time, actually. So we're going to have to figure that out. (laughs) All right. um, Yeah. And then I don't know if I finished, but being active, which you already mentioned, it's spiritual, but also physical. Yeah. And uh, it's just being able to be strong and healthy and able in all the different areas of life. Because I'm thinking as we get to be grandparents and like, you know. Yeah. Well, and we should be all those things too so that we could be active and able for our grandkids one day. Yeah. Weird to think about. Okay. This is like. But that was really cool. I like that little exercise. Get me worked up thinking about how (laughs) fast this is all going to go by. (laughs) Holy moly. Um, That was really good. I really appreciate you reading that and giving us some high level cliff notes. You're welcome. Very encouraging. So go read it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to listen to it. Awesome. Again, that's Habits of the Household by Justin Early. If you guys want to check it out. Well, we hope you enjoy that. Uh, at the end of the, each episode, uh, this we're in a new month, um, but at the end of each episode, we'd like to do what's called a growth spurt. And this month, we're focusing on putting your hand to the plow. <laughs> but not really in a work sense. This is more like an actual plow. Okay. <laughs> get out there and get in the dirt. You mean actually work sense? Well, well, yeah, but you're enjoying it. For you, you like gardening. <laughs> Jennifer loves gardening. So, but putting your hand to plow, like getting, getting your hands dirty, doing something outside. So this is like try gardening, planting a flower, a tree, a vegetable. It's all really good stuff. Yeah. Get your hand in the dirt. Even if it's just like it's a little, grounding, <laughs> even if it's, even if it's one pot and you're doing container planting, like just do something that grows and watch it and baby it. I'm working on a hillside right now. I, me and all have planted a ton of wildflower seeds and I'm out there every day making sure it's. Trying to get them to survive. Yeah. <laughs> trying to keep the kids off And then we have other things that aren't working that great, like our little plant garden in our hallway. Oh, yeah. Aaron got not, me some herb containers. I don't know what's going on with those, but they're not working. We'll have to try those over again. But Sometimes things die. It just happens. Don't get discouraged. Some try people again. are professional uh, household <laughs> plant killers. So, <laughs> uh, But this could be really fun in your marriage to like if you went to a nursery, even if you didn't buy anything, just going... And looking, I love that. are fun. I love going. The kids love it too. Yeah. All the pretty plants. Yeah. But if you did grab a flower or something, let it live through summer. Right? Yeah. All right. Why don't you pray for us? Dear Lord, thank you for our marriage. Thank you for our daily routines and rhythms we have. We pray we would evaluate the way we do life and spend our time. We pray we would be willing to adjust our habits to better fulfill the roles and responsibilities you have for us. We pray your will is done in us and through us as we choose to walk in your spirit every day. We pray our choices benefit our marriage and bless one another. In Jesus' name, amen.
Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.